We have very few announcements today, but we have some nonetheless. And so we're going to start off with uh, congratulations to all the students who, first, who have completed this whole year. Yeah, we give them a round of applause. Uh, and a, a special thanks to, or uh, congrats to the eighth graders that are transitioning to uh, big old high school. So that's a big step. Uh, again, as well, the, the seniors that are graduating uh, the class of 2022. And a very special congratulations to Evie in the back. Hi, Evie. Yeah. Evie is also part of the class uh, of 2022, and she graduated uh, or completed the Ojai Unified School District's post-secondary Ojai Teams program. So if you see her afterwards, uh, maybe congratulate her, say hi to her. Uh, yeah, so we celebrate you guys uh, for the, just the big school year that everyone has had. Uh, secondly, um, we have a movie night this night for youth. Uh, it's part of our, uh, our youth program and events that we're doing the, for the summer. So we're going to be watching Disney's Onward. If you haven't seen it, it's great. I, it's special to me because it's kind of nerdy, and you'll just have to watch it to find out. So we'll be doing that this Wednesday at the Stufflebeam's place uh, from 6 to 9. Uh, additionally, Magic Mountain is coming up as well. So the deadline for signing up and the payment is due the same day, which is the 15th. So if you're going to come to the movie night, you may as well bring uh, the money and sign up for that. Uh, in addition to all the, the summer stuff that we have going on, we have a medical waiver for you to sign uh, for, for all the events that happen outside of the well. So, again, you could bring it on, on Wednesday as well. Uh, and lastly... That is all the announcements, actually. All right. Good morning, church. Good morning. I had to figure out which way to turn my binder here, as it looks like my bird dog has chewed the bottom corner of the pages, but I can still see everything, so we're good. Uh, pleasure to be back with you this week. Uh, as many of you know, last week, Pastor Bill and I were in Fraser Park at our, uh, let's see, three times a year. What is that, triannual? Oh, that'd be three years. Anyway, three times a year, we go to this men's conference in Fraser Park called Solely Business. And it is something that I have done for the last three years. So nine different times we've experienced this mountaintop experience with God's sons. It is really indescribable. I want every man to take an opportunity to go up there. I'm happy to... Uh, give you links and things online to see that. You're gonna hear a lot about that in today's message. Basically, 80 first-time brothers go to the mountain seeking to hear from their father, and many of them will tell you that they do. Uh, it is a, a time of fellowship with many friends that are returning host team members like Pastor Bill and myself, and it's very uplifting. Today's message, which is finishing well, is one that I was asked to give in March. And I have a uh, PowerPoint and various things that we'll, we'll go through. Largely, it is a testimony of, uh, of my life and what the uh, leadership of the organization wanted me to present as an example, their example, of finishing well. But I want everybody to look at their own life through this message today. And uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, personal things from my life involved in it, but every bit of the scripture and every bit of these personal things in my life, you'll be able to translate into your own and thinking about. So 
what is solely business? As I described, 80 new brothers, usually 80 host team brothers, converge in this mountaintop experience, spend the night in cabins meant for 14-year-olds. There's that. They don't usually tell you that part. Pretty uncomfortable. Uh, but you get used to it. You learn how to pack and do it for these trips. But the time together is about 48 hours. And in 48 hours, at the level of knowledge and relationship with you have with eight to 10 men at your table. They have a women's event too, so don't think the women are left out. And certainly this message is for you as well. Again, designed for the men to hear from their heavenly father. So when I was asked to do this in November of 2021, um, there've been a few things that have gone on in my life that hadn't yet gone on. So we'll kind of get into that and cover that as we as we move forward, but you can go ahead and put the first slide up, keeping in mind this is for a group of men on the mountaintop. There we go. See, we start right out with scripture. So how is it that God designed me, or how is it that God has designed you to do his work? What has he equipped us with? What's the What's the character? What are the things that we like? Where are the things that we like? Where were these, those travels let us go where he is going to put us in contact with people that he wants us to come in contact with, right? So, and a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. One of my personal favorites of scripture. I was raised in a hunting family. My parents who are joining us today from Oklahoma and Kansas respectively, families, aunts, uncles, husbands, brothers, whatever, they hunted. That's what we did for entertainment and to put food on the table. So we were raised in this. What did that translate into for me? I raised rabbits in the city of Ventura. I had, what, 50 rabbits at one time going in the backyard. They weren't for pets. We weren't out there petting them. We ate them. These were crops, things I sold to my neighbors. We butchered them. I was the only kid at Little League that had not completely white pants when I went to the ball game because we had work to do before we went. This is just how I was raised. So this wasn't something that, was, that I put out here to say this is the way of life or what you should do, but there are things that God has put in your heart that you enjoy doing in your life that puts you in contact with people that the Lord wants you to influence on his behalf. Let's take a look at this one, right? God created me with a love of tools and a desire for organization in every part of my life. This was in the height of the pandemic, right? You couldn't go into Lowe's without a face mask on. I have to go in there at least once every couple of weeks to just see if there's something new going on in the tool, something I don't have, right? So we go in there and it looks kind of scary with the cowboy hat and the bandana and whatnot. But this was, uh, you know, God equips us all with tools. They're called spiritual gifts, right? We're, we're all armed with a specific, unique makeup of strengths of gifts and things in our lives that will send us down a road of uh, serving him. So before one can finish, one must start, right? So here's my family. My best guess is this is probably 1969 ballpark in there. So mom and dad and my sister Kim and myself this is how we started. I think if, if this was 1969, I'm guessing dad's 27, mom's 26, right? Sister Kim's six, maybe. I'm four. This was our family. 
we dined together every night. Dad worked Monday through Friday, was home on the weekends. I just assumed that this is how everybody's life lived. This is just the way I thought it was, because it was the way it was at my house. We didn't have, uh, we, didn't, we didn't associate with, as friends, we didn't bring kids home or go to kids' houses that didn't meet the, the uh, stringest of, uh, of guidelines. We weren't, um, we, didn't, we didn't get much outside that box. Everybody in our family seemed to live that way. So I was blessed from the very beginning with, uh, with that foundation of what it's like to be a family at home and be able to come home and spill out your problems, come home and hear how your teacher called, what they had to say, what punishment came down. So there was a lot of good guidelines in there that were, were good for that, for growing up. Let's take a look at this one. The relationship with my earthly father. This is dad's workbench basically today. He's in the middle of some project there. Discipline, order, and organization. These are the tools that the Lord armed me with because of my earthly father. He's used to watch over me to make sure I stay on the path that, that he was raised with. The Lord made sure, just like Joseph was selected by God to be Jesus' earthly father, right? Jim Brooks is selected to be my earthly father, and for a reason, a real, real important reason, because he needs to instill in me what God wants to put in my life and watch over. That relationship with Father's Day being next week is really the most important relationship that a young man can have on this earth is with an earthly father. And I understand again that not everybody had a relationship or has a relationship with an earthly father that's like that. But I idolize my father. I always have. He's been my hero. He's been who I've looked up to. He's the reason that I am the way I am, like the things I like, enjoy the things I enjoy, and have probably more tools than anybody else on my block, for sure, to say the least. So that relationship we'll come back to throughout because it's really, it's so important. Let's look at this one. This is my friend Scott. That's as much information as I'll give you, but God always provided wise counsel, again, through my parents. Here we are, young Dodger fans, no doubt talking about Don Drysdale and Don Sutton and the like in the backyard. Raised in a, a good home, good moral home. I probably spent more nights under the roof of that young man's house than my own. 200 easy over the years, all through high school. But Scott was always a reminder and oftentimes a catalyst for conversations at home with my parents. We don't do those things. We don't talk like that. We don't act like that. It wasn't terrible, but he was a pretty good example of that. As we grew older, junior high school, we mowed every lawn in town together. I had the mower, or the edger, he had the mower. We made a lot of money, ate a lot of pizza, did a lot of good stuff. But as we got a little older into high school, uh, Scott's path started to veer off a bit, and our relationship uh, largely ended there because of wisdom from home, because God put me in a home 
with parents that instilled godly values. The things that he was doing were not okay. That said, I had free will, just like God provides all of us with free will, to make decisions that are oftentimes bad ones. And I don't mean to imply that I haven't made plenty of bad decisions, because I have. Let's take a look at the next verse, Genesis 2.24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So early in high school, I had been, you know, junior high school, you hit puberty, you start noticing the girls and around. And my buddy Scott, he was the type that we'd be walking home and he'd see some nice young lady from school and say, you know, I want to, I'm going to hang on a minute. I'm going to go over and talk to her. Oh, okay. I'll stand here. He'd walk over. They'd talk for five minutes. And the next thing I know, they're all over each other. And I'm thinking, this guy is so cool. How come this never happens to me? This never happens to me. God, God protects me again, right? I used to think that was what I wanted to, to, to live life like, but that wasn't God's plan. But this was another, another example. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just almost in, you know, going to go out in old age at 16. And uh, I, I hadn't been, I didn't have a girlfriend. I hadn't had a date. I hadn't had because I could never be that guy. And I meet my wife, Tracy. We are in, I think it was biology class at Ventura High School. So we were probably 15 and she didn't think I was very cool at 15, right? I was killing starfish with a pencil in the biology class. And various things going on that were not of her Christian upbringing. Um, I figured she'd be impressed with burning rubber and whatnot in the street. And that apparently wasn't the way to go either. So there was a lot of that going on. But I, uh, the Lord finally wore her down as a relationship with me was her destiny, clearly. <laughs> So in this one here, we were, uh, we were 16 years old, and we did the junior prom and the senior prom. Um, so yeah, this is, where, this is where it starts. So again, relationship at home, mom and dad, upbringing, Christian values. I knew how to treat a young lady because I had a training exercise. My father made sure that everywhere we went in the family vehicle, I opened the car doors for mom. We got where we were going. I opened the car doors to let mom out. We had to be respectful and we had to know how to treat a young lady. So this comes in in the respect area, a very high position. So again, God wants me to be that person. He puts those Christian values and principles into my life. And this is how he is molding me. I'm straying off the path, mind you, left and right, but this is how he's going to mold me. So our relationship is dating is, is three and a half years to the day. Our generation was still not um, particularly young in getting married. It was starting to distance itself into the mid to late 20s, but we were, uh, we were 20 years old when we married in 1985. So now, now I have to put into action, what I've been taught at home by the Lord through my parents that he placed me in their life. Let's look at 
Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Many of you can remember that day that you woke up in the morning and you were in that position. It wasn't any longer mom and dad. It wasn't any longer you by yourself. You were together in a relationship. The Lord embedded me with a high sense of responsibility. High sense of responsibility. I took that and take that very, very seriously today in my life. You all remember dad's workbench of today. The workbench of dad in yesteryear was everything from our old Gerber baby food jars with the lids screwed through the top of a piece of wood and you twisted and he had all the nuts and bolts and the screws and everything was just so. The tools were all drawn around and, and if he came home and if one of them wasn't in its place, there was generally a conversation that was had and a lesson learned, I can tell you. But again, organization, respect for people's things, and respect for tools. Let's look at this one. So he confirms his word. This is my workbench at home, and you remember when the pandemic hit and we were recording messages here and the other elders were, we were recording messages at home and greeting and communion and, and whatnot. I love this. This was my man cave. This was my shop. This is where my camera was set up. So I was always doing something. So we would do, take care of business at home. But we have to put these godly principles into action. And again, I'm pretty young here at 20 you know, years old, and we've got to start moving forward with a family. And I have those principles and those experiences and the resources to go back on. When I was about nine years old, a friend of the family, his name was Jerry Trigero, he came by the house and asked my folks if they could come by in the bus for the Ventura Baptist Temple and pick my sister and I up, take us to church. I think my mother asked if they served breakfast at church. Like, how early could I go? But that wasn't the deal. So they came by, and for years, the bus came by and picked my sister and I up, took us to hear God's word. Family would go together on other occasions. Again, God's principles. At that church, my sister and I both received Christ as Lord and Savior. We got more principles, more people that God put into our life because we came to church as young kids. Not always the solution, but we received the word and started to act on it, started to live our life with that as God, a part of our everyday life. Let's look at this one. Putting into action, again, after uh, first married, what God had instilled. So here's Haas and little Joe. This was, uh, this has to be 1990, because Joey's just a baby. And uh, here we are now, 25 years old. Our family's complete. Uh, this picture was taken at my, uh, Tracy's grandparents, I think it was their 50th wedding anniversary here at the Ojai Valley Baptist Church. On Tracy's side of the family, I had another multiple generations of godly influence in my life. My father-in-law still serves as a deacon over there. Grandfather was a deacon there. Learned how to pray for this family. Learned the power of prayer within the family. So I was blessed twice. Right? Blessed twice. God puts another man into my life that's a prayer warrior. Quiet, 
we don't have a lot, we don't have very many at all things in common and things that we enjoy, maybe working on cars and using tools. I'll give him that one. But he doesn't like to go to the ball game like my dad. He didn't like to fish or hunt or do the things that I was raised doing. But God put another man into my life to form the character of who he wanted. So yeah, Hoss and little Joe on the scene in 1990. Let's look at this one. So yes, I absolutely love Bonanza, right? This is a, uh, you know, <laughs> funny Photoshop thing the boys did. But uh, again, this was, this was it for me growing up. How many of you guys remember watching these shows? Family-oriented, good, wholesome, upbringing stuff, right? Again, this is what we watched on TV. We weren't allowed to go, you know, we, you didn't go to the movies then. There wasn't any HBO or stuff like that in the home. But now the challenge for young families is monitoring what comes online in the house, what's watched on television through these services and various things. But the family got together and, and, and we did wholesome stuff there. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. This tells me that God requires me to be the spiritual leader of my family, not anybody else. It's no one else's responsibility but my own. It is given to me by him. He would not require that of me and not give me the tools I need to lead my family. And for all of you and all of you joining us online, live streaming, you are equipped with the tools, every man, to be the spiritual leader of his family. Again, we have free will. And it's a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, right? As the, as the family grows, we want to go out and do our own thing. For me, why did I take my boys fishing and hunting and so forth and so on and bait the hooks and do all these things? Because my dad did. He took the time. He was the, he was the baseball coach. All of these things required to be the spiritual leader of my family. I need to be with my family. All things that we do were together. Sure, we went out and had date night and we took a trip down again somewhere by ourselves. But for the most part, we were always together. He had us together for a reason. Let's look at this one. What we do in the marketplace. I was uh, 24 years old when the God, put on my, God put on my heart to, uh, to branch out and start our business. Many of you know that we're working the hearth industry and whatnot. Again, um, I didn't know anything about this. I remember in 1989 in March, uh, I'd put an ad in the Ohio Valley News service director, I think they used to call it in the back. And the phone actually rang one day, and uh, I went out and swept the guy's chimney here in Ohio for the first time. He needed something. I was fumbling around trying to figure out how to do it, and he said, how many of these have you done? And I said, well, yours and, and one more will be two. They'll <laughs> learn on the ropes, right? i got to figure it out. But, but uh, I had some tools, but now I need some more tools. So that was kind of interesting. Everything I tried to do, I needed to accomplish, bring some more tools in so that I could facilitate a job, just like God brings tools to me throughout my life to do the job that he has for me. That same career is, has taken us from Ojai to the roof of the White House. You guys already have that one up there? 
There it is. So a couple of times I've been blessed with uh, leading my industry and uh, servicing chimneys at the White House in D.C. 2008, 2011, a couple of different times on the roof when the earthquake hits. Why in the world does God have me in this position? I'm just a single truck operator guy from Ojai. How did I end up here? Again, the Lord has armed me with what he needs me to have to meet people on his behalf really around the world. Many of you, if you think about places you've been, had an opportunity to serve the Lord and grow his kingdom, tell people, share Jesus with people. You ever stopped and wondered, why am I even here? What has God done in my life that has caused me to be at this space at this time? It's never by coincidence that God puts people in our path or for the reason of us speaking of him or them speaking to us and questioning. God never wants me to stop being the father. There we go. So here we're in the top deck sanctuary at Chavez Ravine. I love to go with my sons and eat hot dogs and we meet more people on behalf of the Lord in this venue. Why am I here? How is this happening? I want to spend time with my boys. Spending time with my family puts me in people's path that God wants me to share his message with. Same in your life. The very same thing. We never know if we love to fish or we love to thrift store shop or we love to eat Chinese food. Whatever it is we love to do, God will put people that need to hear his truth in our path. This just happens to be what he does for me. The relationship with my sons and being their father never ends. I used to think it ended when I was about 16 at about 18. That was going to be it. But it doesn't. I still rely. I still use mom and dad for counsel. They're actually still wise. It's actually still wise counsel. It's a good thing. So for my children, for my sons, I would hope it to be the same thing. Right? Let's look at this one. I, I, I praise the Lord when they follow me in the example that God has set through me. So not only do they enjoy doing the things that I enjoy doing, because we always did them together, we still spend time doing them together. Why? It puts us in contact when they have questions about life, home, marriage, fatherhood, whatever it is that they're going through at the time. We have a time together of trust. Again, because God put me in the family that I was raised in, God's put them in the family that I led. And I pray that that continues as their families grow. This one, here's Haas and little Joe at the Big A. This was the Rams' last game in L.A. before they moved to St. Louis. This was heartbreak. A lot of prayer had to go on here. Rams are leaving. It's over, right? Kids don't understand. Their dad didn't understand. That's Papa on the end down there behind Haas. I think he drove us down there because our cars were all broken down. So we do these things together. Again, we keep this family together, focused on God's principles, his teaching, his learning. How is he equipping us? Every day, everywhere that I can turn and look. 20 years passes, a lot of life in between. Here's a miracle. The Rams come back to L.A. Are you kidding me? I never thought this would happen. Here's the four of us, right? Haas, little Joe, myself, and Papa. 
We're at the Coliseum. We can't believe it. We're rejoicing. The family still does these things together. We still spend time together. And every bit of it's a conversation of life's experiences and what the Lord wants us to know and build character. This one, Haas and I, dove hunting in Bakersfield, annual event in, in September, the dove opener. The boys love to hunt, fish, do the things that I did. We love to do it together. It's used as a mechanism for God to teach them and help them to grow in counsel. Again, why? Because of the home I was raised in and the home they were raised in. I'll tell you a secret. Uh, who changed the course of action through, three, through free will was both my father and my father-in-law. They were both raised in broken homes. Dad's older brothers were 11 and 9 years older than he is, respectively. He was the save the marriage baby that did not save the marriage. So he was fatherless at home from the age of three. He chose to break that cycle. He chose to make a difference in his life because he didn't want to raise a family in that. He broke the string. My father-in-law, same thing. I don't remember exactly how old he was, but it wasn't much older than three. He migrates here from Texas, fatherless, raised in a, a single, single parent home with his mom. He decides, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make better choices. Alcohol played a role in the lives of my father-in-law and the life of my mother. They both decided on that front. We're not going to have that in our home. And we didn't. We're going to make a change. It so deeply affected the way they were raised. They wanted different for their family. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't know how many of you were, were raised in a home that didn't have alcohol, but it is devastating to the home. Devastating in how you grow. Let's take a look at this one. I'll never stop being the husband. This is life's highest calling for a man. Highest calling. It takes the most work. We mess it up time and time again, at least I have. Right? How do we mess it up? We're guys. We don't, under, we don't think the same way. We don't, we don't require the same, the same things in life. Right? For affirmation. Affirmation for us is enough. We, don't, we have to think. We have to be trained. We have to go. We have to talk to other wise counsel. And then again, my father showed me how to be respectful. Who showed them? The Lord. He puts it on their heart. There were uncles. There were other family members that stepped in to be that fatherly figure. I was blessed to have it be my dad at home. I tried to be that example for my sons. We're not perfect by any stretch. But again, godly principles. My way of serving is building things because I can get more tools, right? Let's take a look at this one. This is just some, some just examples of late, right? Raised garden beds in a greenhouse. Tracy takes off for the week. I can slam the uh, garden beds together and stuff. I need a new pneumatic nailer. I need a compressor. I might need a new vest. I might need something going on, right? There's going to be some tools coming in, but I'm going to serve. This is how I serve. This is how I show my love. Let's take a look at the next one. Right, the chicken coop, same thing. 
Now I need a pocket nailer. Now I need a pocket uh, a joiner. I need uh, I need all kinds of new things for this operation, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna build the tool arsenal superficially, but I'm gonna serve. I can use those things for other areas of service. So this is how the Lord has equipped me to be that spiritual leader of my family. I need look look at the dynamics involved. You need to be a solid husband. You need to spend time in that relationship. You need to spend the time. Years ago, I worked for Coca-Cola. I went to work at, left for work at 4.30 in the morning. When I came home and in the mid-afternoon and the kids are there, we're playing ball, we're outside, there's ball practice, a ball game, something goes on, we eat dinner, everybody gets cleaned up for bed and I'm falling asleep exhausted. No time to spend together. Had to learn how to make the time had to learn how to make the time to spend with my wife. Not just to be the dad, needed to do that too. The weekends would come. We worked. We earned a living on Saturdays. There were ball games on Saturday. We had to fit everything in. But men, if I can tell you anything, anything at all that you take from this, be the spiritual leader of your family. Start by spending quality time with your wife. Spend quality time with your kids. Let them see you pray. Let them see you be a man of God. Next week when it's Father's Day, bring your family to church. Don't say it's Father's Day and it's my day off. I'm going to go do what I want to do. Let them see that hearing from our Heavenly Father is what Dad wants to do on Father's Day. Let's move on to 2016. God's plan continues. Through a series of events, we end up in Fillmore, of all places, at this uh, Fillmore First Southern Baptist Church. The pastor at the time was in his late 70s. He's the same pastor that his buses picked my sister and I up all those years earlier and took us to his church in Ventura. Dr. George Golden, my ministry mentor. I'm ordained in this church into the ministry in July of July of 2016. I had no idea. I didn't ask for it. I can't even explain really how it happened. I had some ministry things I was doing, and he came to me and said, the church would like to ordain you into the ministry. Wow. God's plan, right? Who would have thought? I was 50, was that 51 years old at the time? Who comes into the ministry at 51 years old? You're Richie recovery. Oh, 30 years. I've been yeah, 30 years ago. I was fishing at Lake Casitas. We weren't doing that. So there's the big change in life. So let's take a look at this one. There's a lot of life ahead. I'm 51 years old, finishing well, years off. I've got lots of time, right? We're going to the ball game. We're having the hot dog, mustard on the top. That's good stuff right there. We're 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 living it. The boys are grown. They work for us, or they're off married, whatnot grandkids, things going on. And then we get to 2017, and things change dramatically here. Okay? So I was diagnosed with cancer, had surgery in late 2017. Um, all of the treatment and the, the ails that went on with that, my life is changing dramatically. Cancer happens to other people. Cancer happens in other people's lives. Cancer doesn't happen to me. Cancer's happened, it's happened in the family, grandparents, things moving along, but 
It's never struck me in my house or my parents' house. But there it was. You hear the word cancer, and the rest of the conversation goes like Charlie Brown's school teacher. You don't hear anything, but you've got cancer. Treatment. Opted for treatment. That's where the pain and the suffering comes along. Why is God allowing this in my life? Why? What have I, I mean, here I am, I'm in the ministry, been doing all these things, so selfishly thinking, you know, I don't deserve this. Well, nobody does. But God allows it to continue to build the person he wants me to be. I would have thought at 51 years old, I already had all the training, all the knowledge, everything I needed to do to move on. I'm gonna be a grandpa, right? doesn't work that way. He had plenty more for me to do. When I missed a few events over the course of months with cancer treatment, the hunting, the fishing, the ball games, the things that happened that I missed, changes my perspective. God changes my perspective because of what he's allowed to happen in my life. I learn a deeper love even than imaginable from my family and support, and prayers, Never discount that, what God can show us. In my sickness, in the worst of times, I could only remember and recall one scripture, that I can do all things through God who strengthens me. I couldn't even recall, I couldn't read my Bible and comprehend. The things I did every single day, I could no longer do for a period of several months because of that experience. But prior to that experience, I'd be so uptight driving down the road, things that would bother me, somebody cuts you off, pulls in. This is what God teaches me. These things aren't important. They're not important at all. So today's Randy, while not perfect, is a lot better than he was getting uptight with senseless things in life. When I went back to doing the things I love to do, I went back to doing those things and sharing Jesus with the people I was doing with. That's where the real reward was. This is in the Florida panhandle. I've hunted deer with this man for a decade. He knows I'm a believer, and we, we may have talked peripherally about Jesus. This man, after a decade, comes to Jesus on a hunting trip after I've had cancer. I can't explain it. I tell him my story. He's ready to commit right there at the camp. Right there at the camp. I, I, so I'm amazed by what God can do through allowing travesty and tragedy into my life, this one particular thing. There's been plenty of others. It's pretty crazy. So we continue to serve the family. Haas and our daughter-in-law, Lindsay, buy their first house in Bakersfield. Haas does not have a workbench at this house, right? So I was in pretty bad shape here. Treatment was over, but there wasn't a lot of strength going on. So I supervised. He builds this himself with my supervision and direction and counseling, of course. There's mom helping him back there, too. But warms my heart that this was important to him organization in his life, because there was organization in my life, because there was organization in dad's life, because God wanted organization in all of our lives. That love of tools. Let's look at Proverbs 17.6. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. Many of you remember in 2019, when our daughter in love was pregnant with our grandson. There we go. 
have to shake it out a couple times there. There's Gampy and Gammy with Hank. What a blessing. This is after cancer in my life, right? I don't know if I'm finishing well at 51, but now here we are, first-time grandparents. We love it. This is what, this is what the reward of the Lord in our life, right? The reward, even in Scripture. So this is a big deal. And, you know, my son, Hank's daddy, he wants to teach his son like he was taught, like I was taught by my dad, organizational management. So here is at Christmas. I mean, you've got to start these kids out right. You've got to teach them. You've got to teach them God's way. You've got to teach them God's principles. You've got to raise them in a godly home. He requires it of us men to be the spiritual leader of the family. It's not to just leave them there or leave them with somebody else. We've got to play an active role. Now, these are funny examples and whatnot of tools in the workbench, but it's the same principle. If my son wants his son to be raised respectfully, like he was raised, like his father was raised, and so forth and so on, God's principles. He's got to teach him. Now, in probably March of 2019, our daughter in love's uncle calls me from Bakersfield and he says, Hey, I want you to come to this solely business. Here I am, associate pastor of this Southern Baptist Church in Fillmore, and he wants me to come to this men's conference. Kind of briefly explains, doesn't tell me a lot of details about it. So I said, sure, I'll go. I, that's in my wheelhouse. I don't mind going to 180 men I don't know and never met and so forth. And I can handle that for 48 hours. I know they eat well. So he invites me to this conference, pays my way. I go up to the mountain and I move in and sit down at this table for the first time in June, just three years ago today, with this group of 10 men. I told you before, the home I was raised in, how we ate together, how it was very um, traditional and conservative, as some might say. We lived a pretty straight and narrow life. You look at this one. Here's this group. Here's 10 of us. Five of these men, as we get to know each other over 48 hours, five of them have spent a significant amount of time behind bars. They are tattooed up one side and down the other. And as much as I know God loves them, I don't really want him using me to reach them because these weren't guys that were in my sphere of influence or people I hung out with ever in my life. They ask us a question on the first day of this conference. Why do you think God has you here? So Pastor Randy says to himself, well, God clearly has me here to help these poor beaten down men and their decrepit lives of sin. I'm here to help somebody. Well, I was dramatically wrong. He had a plan for me. <laughs> I was the guy who got the change. I was the guy at the time I walked into that conference that didn't acknowledge the redeemable value of those men's lives. I just figured them lost outside the church, useless, right? A problem. They weren't the folks that I went to church with that dressed nice and at least looked like they were all respectable folks. 
these guys had a story to tell. Drugs, alcohol, abuse, broken homes, uh, philandering, you name it. These guys had done it. We're doing it. We're in the middle of it. I was beside myself being uncomfortable. Beside myself. But the Lord worked on me over 48 hours. By the time I walked off that mountain, I had the contact information of multiple felons in my cell phone that are dear friends today that serve the Lord. And I realized because of that experience that God could change their lives. It took me 52 years to figure this out. 54 years to figure it out. However long it was, 54. That was wrong. So God can still change us, folks. He can still cultivate the heart in sanctification. It's different for all of us. I don't know what attitudes that everyone else has about various things, but for me, the criminal, that was people we stayed away from. I still am not endorsing hanging out with criminals. Don't get me wrong. But those that have had a life like that and are willing to come to Jesus, I want to put my arm around them. And I want to welcome them. And I want to cultivate their relationship. And I want to be an example of Jesus in everything that I do. So in March, no, I'm sorry, in November of of 2021, we met on the mountain for the first time in a, in a year due to COVID. We'd done some solely refresh conferences, two of which we did here at this church for the men over a five-hour five hour period on a Saturday in the uh, commons. But we were back on the mountain for the first time together. And at the end of that conference, I think within the, the first few days, at that conference, uh, Pastor Bill spoke. His topic and subject matter was faith in the workplace. Quite an honor to be able to serve the Lord in front of 160 men and tell your story, tell how God's worked in your life. So Bill gives this message, and I get this phone call within the next couple of days from one of the leadership that asked me if I would like to uh, prayerfully consider giving this message, finishing well, at the next conference in March. And I said, well, I'll... I'll pray about it. We'll see what you know, the Lord puts on my heart. In mid to late November, I get hit with COVID. Due to organ issues related to chemotherapy and poisons running through my body where the Lord cures me from cancer, being vaccinated was not part of the program for me. So when I got COVID and had some residual lung damage, which is where that cancer goes that I had, it affected me pretty rough. So I spent a couple of weeks in CMH on oxygen, didn't go on a ventilator. That's why you didn't see me here for, from Thanksgiving till probably the end of February. I went home and spent six weeks on oxygen at home, tethered to the line, couldn't get out, do much at all, certainly couldn't come to church. That made more changes in life, right? Why, why did God allow this in my life? Why, why is that? I mean, we didn't, we didn't work, period, for 66 days. We didn't work really for 90 days, right? But the Lord had a plan. 
I long to find out what it was and ask him in person. But it's one of those things. We all have things that happen in our lives to us, to those that we love around us, that are devastating, devastating things. And we don't understand why. But if I'd learned anything from previous experiences, cancer, whatnot, growing up, seeing loved ones pass and die, is that God has a plan. He doesn't need for me to know what the plan is. He just needs for me to trust that I know he knows. And that's the difference. That's the difference for me. Because there was a time in my life in sanctification where I would question those things because I didn't know. Oh, I still question them, but I have 100% confidence that he knows what he's doing in all of those things. So finishing well. Everyone will finish. Not everyone will finish well. If you don't have an abiding relationship with Jesus, you're definitely not finishing well. And for the men there, please don't leave the mountain not knowing Jesus. Please don't leave this building if you don't know Jesus. Please don't log off on the internet if you don't know Jesus. Folks, this is the calling of the church. We're required in the ministry to give a gospel message. What is the gospel message? It's the good news of Jesus. It's to tell you of that relationship. It isn't just, oh, I'm saved, so when I die, it's all good. No, that relationship with Jesus is, it's all good right here in this life. We have a relationship with a living Savior that comes into our heart to be additional wise counsel, to be the most wise counsel, the counsel that we can trust in all things. Not everyone had a dad like I had. Not everyone had a dad like my sons have had. Not everyone will have a son that's a dad like my are. We have to think about these things. Salvation and knowing Jesus is about the right now. The inheritance comes later, right? Don't just come listen to the words of truth and say, yeah, those are good things, and don't put them into practice. Don't go home and teach them to your kids. Don't show your grandkids. It never stops. Don't show your neighbors. I don't care if you've been single your entire life. Show the people around you in your life that Jesus is in control of everything that we do. That's the calling. That's the purpose. That's the fruit that gets produced that shows the world that Jesus lives in us and that he's alive. He makes a difference, his word. If you don't know Jesus, if he's not the Lord of your life, if you're not committed to his way in the scripture, pray this prayer with me. Father, I praise you and thank you for the example of your word, your living word of truth. I know, Father, that to pay the price of my sin and separation from you, you sent your son, your precious son, as a blemishless example of sacrifice to carry my sins, past, present, and future, and everyone here, everyone that can hear this, he paid the price with his death on the cross 
and resurrection and sits at the right hand of you. Father, I can't imagine, I can't imagine such a sacrifice of love, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe it. I'm committed to you. I want you to teach me. I may not know anything about you, but I want to start today. I want to start seeking your character, your truth. I want you to come into my life right now and guide me in all that you want me to do and serve. I pray these things in your name. Amen. I would say it's just that simple, but I don't want to give anybody the false sense that simply praying words or acknowledging what I said as being truth saves you. Because it happens right here. Again, free will. You can say it, but you need to live it, and you need to show it. Your heart needs to be cultivated in the right condition to be saved. There is no magic words to say. A lot of people frown on the sinner's prayer, which is what we just did. But folks, that's it. That's what he wants us to do. But he wants us to do it with the heart for him. That's the difference in this life. So, let's look at the next one. Sharing God's love with God's people. We serve each other in this body. Those of you that live stream with us that would be here otherwise, that will watch this in the future. The entire family of God. This church is about service. This church is about prayer. As each of us are, are beaten down by what is allowed in our lives from a daily basis, we don't have to go it alone because we have Jesus. And if Jesus is in the, in the, the, the lives of those that are in this church, we want to uplift you in prayer. Have them put the uh, prayer email down here at the bottom. That resource right there has some anonymity to it and that it only comes to the elders of this church. We pray for your concerns, pray for your needs, pray for your lives, pray for the things that have been going on and allowed into your life. We pray for you. It is, again, a high calling to be that in prayer for everyone. I want everybody, if you haven't, to please take note of that and take acknowledge. If anybody here is interested at all in the Soli Men's Conference, I would ask that you email me. That work? Right on, over the top, sweet. So, it's something, men and women, again, there's a women's conference, it's not for everyone. I understand that. But if you think you'd like to experience such a thing and let, let the Father talk to you on the mountain for 48 hours, uh, I encourage you to get a hold of me in that. But sharing God's love with God's people, we can do that everywhere and in every activity that we do in this world. It's not just coming to church on Sunday. If you're mowing the lawn and the neighbor needs a hand, greeting people in your street when you walk the dog, Whatever it is that you do, you have an opportunity to serve him. The opportunity is given every day, everywhere. Pray that the Lord will show you the opportunities he places before you.
so you can serve him. So in closing, I think I have one more. That's the new workshop. <laughs> oh, anyway. New tools. So I'm going to use the tools that God's provided me. That's my metaphor, right? God provides me tools. He provides all of you tools. They're called spiritual gifts. You've been well-armed to do what he calls you to do. Well-armed. And he's there to help every step of the way for you to grow his kingdom and to finish well. In a moment, we're going to take communion. In front of you or beside you are communion cups. Please loose the bread before the vine. Keeps our seats clean. I want you to reflect, if you would, on the many, many times in your life that the Lord has groomed you to be who you are today and what he wants you to do. He's groomed us all. He's equipped us all. He's provided the tools to us all to serve him. That's the goal, growing his kingdom. He wants us to do this in remembrance of him. As we reflect back on our own life, like many of the instances that I shared with you today in my own life, we can see God's hand. I can see God's hand. I would like for you to consider what was God's hand. Even in travesties that were allowed in your life, where are the blessings? Where is the example of him? We have very few announcements today, but we have some nonetheless. And so we're going to start off with uh, congratulations to all the students who, first, who have completed this whole year. Yeah, we give them a round of applause. Uh, and a, a special thanks to, or uh, congrats to the eighth graders that are transitioning to uh, big old high school. So that's a big step. Uh, again, as well, the, the seniors that are graduating uh, the class of 2022. And a very special congratulations to Evie in the back. Hi, Evie. Yeah. Evie is also part of the class uh, of 2022, and she graduated uh, or completed the Ojai Unified School District's post-secondary Ojai Teams program. So if you see her afterwards, uh, maybe congratulate her, say hi to her. Uh, yeah, so we celebrate you guys uh, for the, just the big school year that everyone has had. Uh, secondly, um, we have a movie night this night for youth. Uh, it's part of our, uh, our youth program and events that we're doing the, for the summer. So we're going to be watching Disney's Onward. If you haven't seen it, it's great. I, it's special to me because it's kind of nerdy, and you'll just have to watch it to find out. So we'll be doing that this Wednesday at the Stufflebeam's place uh, from 6 to 9. Uh, additionally, Magic Mountain is coming up as well. So the deadline for signing up and the payment is due the same day, which is the 15th. So if you're going to come to the movie night, you may as well bring uh, the money and sign up for that. Uh, in addition to all the, the summer stuff that we have going on, we have a medical waiver for you to sign uh, for, for all the events that happen outside of the well. So, again, you could bring it on, on Wednesday as well. Uh, and lastly... That is all the announcements, actually. All right.